Hey there, and welcome to the Calvary Southeast podcast. You are joining us for part two of our Christmas series, which we're calling Behold. In this week's message, Pastor Kevin talks about the comfort that Jesus Christ brings. Christmas is one of the most comforting times of the year, from time spent laughing with family and friends to the warmth of a cup of hot cocoa. It seems that nothing quite warms the heart like Christmas. When we look to Jesus, we find not just these symbols of comfort, but the surpassing peace of a Savior who knows our innermost being. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. This morning, as we as we look at God's Word, <clears throat> and yes, we're going to be talking about behold comfort. And I know that I know that for me, and I, I can only imagine for many of you that that word comfort maybe evokes some imagery in your life right now. Uh, things that you would rather not think about. Things that you would rather say, Lord, I want to set that aside and not ever think about that again. And I, I want to challenge us this morning as we, as we look at this and that we would understand that in all of life's circumstances, whether we call them bad, whether we call them good or we are perhaps indifferent to them, that God wants to speak comfort to our lives and speak comfort through our lives. Amen? So we're going to be taking a look at this morning at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It's very short. Um, if you will stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to put on these reading glasses because the print in my Bible is so tiny now. That's what I'm holding to anyways. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard, uh, the 1995 edition. Starting at verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. By who? By God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Again, as, as Pastor Ryan said, you know, typically we will go through a book of the Bible, and we've been going through, uh, Pastor Ryan's been t- leading us through 1 Corinthians, um, but he wanted to do something different this Christmas and, and do this Christmas series on Behold. And as he mentioned that last week, Nathan um, message was behold hope um, speaking from first corinthians chapters 1 verses 23 through 29 which i think really connected really connected really well with pastor ryan's message previous message from first corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 through 34 where we are reminded of the the joy the significance of the resurrection and the, and the fact that apart from the resurrection, none of us can have hope in this world. And that was Paul's message. He says, if there is no resurrection, we're all stuck. 
We're all in deep trouble. We, we've got a mess to deal with and no resources to deal with it. The central theme of Nathan's message was to behold hope. And again, behold means don't miss. Be sure to see. And, and then hopings have to have a confident expectation that is based upon the character of God. Let me say that again. It's a confident expectation based upon the character of God, not upon our circumstances, not upon how I feel about what's going on in life. As I mentioned, good, bad, we attach these labels to things, don't we? But God says, listen, there can be great and wonderful things in the things that we call bad. Uh, as I was teaching through Genesis, finishing up the, the book of Genesis a couple of weeks ago, and ending that story where Joseph's brothers come to him after the death of Jacob, and by the way, this is nowhere in my notes, so if you're trying to figure out where I'm going, bear with me. Um, uh, he, he's there after the death of Jacob, their, their father, and his brothers are worried, like, now that dad's gone, we're in deep trouble because of the things we did to him and, and payback's coming. And Joseph reminds them, as he did when he revealed himself to them, he says, you meant this for evil. I want you to think about your life circumstances. The, the, the devil may have meant this for evil. Someone else may have meant this for evil. Our choices, our own personal sins, it, it may have thought, we may have thought that's only going to produce evil. But Joseph said to his brothers, but God meant this for good. For our good, that many people will be saved. And as we think about our lives, our testimonies, how God has brought us from death to life, and all the tragedies and difficulties and failures and everything else that we have chosen or been thrust upon us, God says, I'm going to produce something really amazing and good. And we are some, many of us are here today because of the good he has done. Amen? Yeah. All right, so that's, again, off my notes, sorry. Um, but this kind of hope, the hope that we can look at the character of God and say he is good all the time, that is kindness, mercy, grace, love, every attribute you can think of regarding God, it is always present waiting for us to lay hold of, as the scriptures say, to apprehend. It's just waiting. It's the firm, those things, that hope is the firm footing that's mentioned there in Colossians 1.27, which Nathan spoke on. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the central piece of our hope, that we have Christ within us. We may think, even right now, as we're sitting here, man, I, this has been the worst week, month, day, year, whatever, choose one. And we have forgotten the hope that Christ dwells within us that is so much bigger than our circumstances. And I, let me tell you, I'm saying this to myself as I look back over this year that has some personal hardships, maybe not to the level that you've experienced, 
But he, but he also mentions this again. The same source of hope is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Is that not good news for us? Amen? Amen. I mean, we should be excited about this. The fact that Christ is in us, that we have access to all the resources of heaven at any moment. We just have to behold them. Don't miss them. See them. Our hope, our confident expectation is that he will fulfill all he has said and promised that he prepares us and protects us from the realities of suffering. Because suffering does come, doesn't it? It's not an if. It is but a when. And Jesus warned the disciples, didn't he? In this life you will have troubles, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. Yeah, that's something to whoop about. (laughs) And because Jesus dwells in us, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit for a future date, as it says in the word, that we are hidden in Christ. There is nothing, no hardship, no sorrow, no persecution, no injustice, no sickness, not even death can separate us from his promises. Amen? Romans 8, 38 and 39, you know this well, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord, my Lord. The one who we say we now serve. As Paul would say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And what can this hope do for us today? And that brings us now back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. So Paul is writing the second letter to the believers, the church at Corinth. And it's out of his desire to reassure them because 1 Corinthians chapter 1, is, it's a corrective letter. There's some craziness going on in the church. And he's like, I need to kind of give you a tune-up, an attitude adjustment, uh, a spiritual course correction. But he wants to reassure them now and remind them of his love and of God's power manifested in weakness. Are you here this morning? Like me, man, Lord, I, I, I don't feel like I have it all together today. His power manifested in weakness. But also he wants to remind them of the joy of reconciliation restoration in relationship and also of the need for servant leadership. 
So his letter is designed to communicate and reveal the promises of God's comfort. He writes to the believers and by relationship to you and I today, that if indeed we are followers of Jesus, I'll explain that briefly, if we've professed belief in him as our God and Savior, if we have confessed our sins to him and asked him for forgiveness and then surrendered our lives by faith for his glory, then we have access to the power of God through Jesus and his promised Holy Spirit. If that's you here this morning, you have immediate access. I have immediate access to his comfort. To the comfort of heaven. And, and this truth is good news, isn't it? I mean, actually, it's indescribable news. Or at least it ought to be. It ought to bring us great comfort. And, and in fact, in verse 3, it says, Paul declares, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Because we, I think we often read that word blessed, and we gloss right over it. Like, yay, God, that's great, wonderful. No, this means someone who is worthy of being praised, commended, and or imitated. As you look at that individual, that person, you're like, wow! How could you do anything but praise and worship them, commend them to someone else, and the desire to imitate their example? Now, in our passage here, this Greek word is only used of Jesus and of God the Father. And Paul is trying to provoke us to remember the source of our comfort. The joyous source of our comfort that never ends. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How long is never? It's a long time. Now, in our culture, the use of the word hero, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, but the use of the word hero is grossly overused or misused. Would you agree? It's thrown around with, without concern for what it really means. Let me read to you a definition from the 1895 edition of Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. You can look this up online. It's available. You can actually download it as a little widget on your, uh, your Google. And it says, An illustrious man, anciently supposed to be exalted after death to a place among the gods. We're going to skip over that one. Number two, a man of distinguished valor enterprise, and trepidity. We'll need a dictionary for that one. <laughs> now, I want to consider the, the, really the second one because this is where this speaks to a character. A person of distinguished valor, enterprise, or intrepidity. To put it in simpler terms, to put it in my terms, layman terms, a farm kid's terms, it refers to a person recognized by many others because of their great courage in the face of danger, especially mortal danger, 
One who undertakes a project or purpose that requires great personal sacrifice and fearlessness for the benefit of others. That is the proper use of this term, hero. Again, sadly, it's, be, it's been used by many people to describe people that I think don't even come close to this. But in contrast, let me give you an example of someone who I believe fits this description. On Friday, March 23rd, 2018, while on his way to work, a Gladstone police officer responded to a domestic disturbance in progress. An adult male suspect had brutally assaulted his elderly mother and tried to kill her in their home. The elderly father was there but was unable, physically unable, to stop his son's assault. The suspect was reportedly armed with a shotgun. The officer heard the call on the radio and responded to the residents. He was the first and only officer on the scene and considering the critical need for a fast response and forgoing his own personal safety, he approached the house alone and confronted the suspect inside the home. The officer drew his handgun and pointed it at the suspect. However, he had been using his mother as a human shield, not allowing her to leave. She'd been severely beaten to the point of not being able to recognize her. Realizing the hostage situation, Officer Gillen was able to talk to the woman and free her from her son's control. The suspect, who was currently armed, refused to follow the verbal commands, and the officer used his taser temporarily incapacitating the suspect. Moments later, their taser was no longer effective, and the suspect ran towards the officer to attack him while yelling that he was going to kill him. The officer recognized the suspect had an altered mental status and did everything he could to avoid shooting and killing the suspect. The officer chose to use unarmed defensive tactics to try and control him. The officer and the suspect fought for two minutes before the officer was able to control, get control of the suspect and place him in handcuffs. The officer's actions saved the woman's life and likely the life of her husband. That is a person worthy to be praised and commended and perhaps imitated. But I don't want you to miss that. That's a great story. It's a true story. But don't miss the other more significant true story of Jesus Christ, who is significantly more than that. Would you agree? He not only risked his life giving up heaven, his authority, as Philippians chapter 2 would say, giving up his right as creator of the universe, stepping down in human form, risking his life and then willingly giving his life, bearing the conviction and punishment I deserved, that we all deserved. And he did it while we were his enemies. Suffering as perhaps, well, really, suffering like we will never know. Bearing every sinful action of every human being, past, present, and future, upon his shoulders on the cross, willingly. 
to the point that he would say to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The full weight of sin. This should be enough for us to echo the words of Psalm 34.1. I will bless the Lord at all times. He, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. As I look at my life circumstances, and make, make no mistake, I'm not trying to diminish the suffering that we experience in this life, okay? I'm not trying to diminish that. But we have this great joy that he has suffered on our behalf in ways I can't imagine so that I can identify him. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. That I can identify with him and I can have joy even in those circumstances. No one should be able to stop us from praising and worshiping and commending the name of Jesus to all people. And that's what Paul would say I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, isn't it? It transformed him. The one who stood and gave approval of the stoning of Stephen, who drug families into the courts, he was not ashamed. I'll use a, as a paraphrase of one comic. He said, we should all be so joyful, we're going to need a plastic surgeon to remove the smiles off our faces. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, it's like, we ought to be full of God's joy. And then as we recall the joy of Jesus' presence in our lives and his help in all things, we should discover the next piece of that verse, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Me, not getting what I deserve. Now, when I was about 12 or 13 years old, my brother and I were given some time away from the farm. We typically got a little bit of time in the summer to get away and be with some cousins over at my grandparents' house or uh, with an aunt and uncle. But we were given this opportunity to go spend some time with one of my aunts um, and go camping with my cousins along the Natchez River. That's in central Washington. And one of the nights we were there, we were asked to run an errand up to the, the camp host's small house. But for some reason, we, we were not, and we were teenage boys, come on. Um, sorry, guys, I used to be one of you. <laughs> um, so we were a little prickly about it, but you know, reluctantly you know, walked up there. It was a little bit of a walk. When we arrived, there was no answer at the door. And with some frustration, we started to leave. And at that moment, I'm not sure who initiated the conversation. It, it could have been me, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but we decided it would be a good idea to slash the tires of the car <laughs> with my knife. Now, fast forward a couple of hours, and the local sheriff is driving through the campground looking for a group of young men that fit our description that were seen leaving the house. With a few well-timed comments about juvenile detention, arrest, and other legal complications, uh, the truth reluctantly leaked out of us. And uh, I, was, I was recounting this this week with my brother on the phone. And uh, 
we were remembering how drastically, dramatically that would have changed the course or could have changed the course of our lives. However, the camp host and this local sheriff understood the potential benefit of extending mercy to some foolish boys. Okay, let's just get out of the way. Some stupid boys. <laughs> um, no, now, don't get me wrong. There was a cost. Our summer was over. Uh, it, was, it was work, 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 work for the rest of the summer. We didn't see each other again until I think about Halloween. Might have been Thanksgiving. We were not allowed to... By the way, this was long before any kind of social media, telephones, computers. Uh, uh, tel we had telephones, sorry. We had telephones. My wife would laugh at that one. Uh, um, and we were required to raise the money for four, a set of four tires. However, we weren't arrested. We weren't charged with a crime. Let me tell you, we got a decent look at mercy that night. There was a huge sigh of relief when the sheriff said, they don't want to press charges, <laughs> but there's going to be a cost. Now, fast forward 20 years, when I was confronted with the truth of the gospel, I embraced the greatest mercy ever offered. The forgiveness of sin, my sin, my date with death, death was canceled. I was given an adventurous purpose. The hope of eternity through a relationship offered through Jesus. This is ridiculous mercy, isn't it? It's this kind of mercy, again, that as we look at that first word and say blessed, we're like, yes, indeed, blessed be the name of God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is more, there's more than him being the God of mercy. It says there in our passage, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He is the God, the one and only God of comfort. If we understand the hope and the mercy he provides, then comfort is not far off. Isaiah 51, 12, I, even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies and of the son of man who is made like grass? Are we looking around at what's happening in this world and we're afraid, not remembering that God is the God of comfort? That he says, listen, I made them. I raise them up. I lay them low according to my will and purposes. Is there anyone like the Lord? No. In the last two weeks, Pastor Ryan and I have met with six families who've either experienced the death of a loved one or are preparing for that very near reality. We are, I think we're aware of at least five other people or families facing serious medical complications, some of which are life-threatening. Not to mention 
as, as we're talking with Hayden and others, the many widows and widowers or the people facing broken relationships, difficult medical issues, financial struggles, and the pressure of a culture that would have us conform to their standards and views on marriage, gender, race, parenting, and education. Now, these are very real and present hardships, are they not? And they could easily crush a person. They could destroy a family. But don't miss the truth of God's character and of his word. His mercy and grace opened the door for us to see the wide open arms of Jesus. Waiting to embrace us with his comfort. The one who hung on the cross and embraced the sorrow, betrayal, hatred, physical injuries, the insults, the misunderstandings, and the rejection, just to name a few, that we have or will experience so he could fully relate to us. And we, more importantly, could relate to him, Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, what are we supposed to do? Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may find, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You and I have all the resources of heaven, as I said before, available to us when we are on our knees. Or as one pastor put it, the thing we least want to admit is the one thing that can set us free, the fact that we are weak. The message of the gospel will only make sense to those who have run out of options and have come to the relieving realization that they are not strong. And this is what he says. God's office of grace is located at the end of our rope. That's a pastor that has made some horrible choices in his life. And he says, God's office of grace is located at the end of our rope. But God gave us even more. I feel like an infomercial a little bit. Wait, there's more. Um, and there is. <laughs> He gave us each other. He didn't just give us hope in the future and hope in the past. He didn't give us just mercy, this image of God and, and this character of God that seems far off. He gave us, and this is not my own phrase, he gave us Jesus with skin on. At times, you and I need more than the truth of his word, the memories of his past faithfulness, and the inner voice of his spirit. At times, we need his physical presence. As he said to his disciples, Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Who is the you? Was it just the twelve? Was it maybe the 150 or the 500 disciples? No, he was saying this down the future until his second coming. You, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord that has been saved, that is called by my name. You, I sent you, sent Kevin, 
St. Canard. Thursday nights, there's a ministry called Grief Share that meets here at CCSE. And it's a time for those who've experienced uh, the death of a family member or, or a near friend. And, and it's time for them to bear one another's burdens. To be Jesus with skin onto someone. To share the weight of the sorrow and the suffering that they're experiencing. And they, those that lead this ministry, they do it because they have received what? The comfort of God. They've received the comfort of others, and they know firsthand what it is like. They walked through the valley of the shadow of death and found Jesus waiting to accompany them to the other side of the valley. By the way, again, this is not in my notes, so don't freak out. Um, I was just thinking as we were singing this song, Come Let Us Adore Him. Roll yourself back mentally through history and think about that moment where the shepherds there uh, are there, or perhaps even more so, the magi, the wise men are there. They've come to worship the child. And what gifts did they bring them? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there is this threat to kill all the firstborn or all the young males born in a particular period by Herod, and they're going to have to flee. What's going to happen? Do you think there was a little bit of anxiety and fear and sorrow? But you see, God's comfort came in human form in the persons of these three men who would provide gold. That would allow them to travel and flee. See, God was concerned about their comfort. And I'm not saying about comfort like, I need a new Mercedes. No, I need it like food on the table and safety. God is concerned that we know his comfort in every circumstance of life and prepared to give that comfort to others. So if you're in this place this morning, they're saying, man, my life is amazing. I'm not feeling sorrowful. I'm not feeling anxious. I'm not feeling afraid. Praise the Lord. All the more that you ought to be blessed be the name of the God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look for someone who needs the comfort that you've received. Amen? You and I need to be in relationship with others so we can both receive and be the comfort of Jesus. What is the Lord saying to us today? What is he saying to you and I today? He is saying, don't miss it. Be sure to see it. Behold his comfort. To summarize, the comfort of God is found in the character of God, his power and authority over all things. In salvation, for our date with death is canceled. In his mercy, for we do not get what we deserve. And in the fellowship of believers, for we are to be Jesus with skin on. I'll close with this and take a moment to dwell on this. These are, these are words from a well-known Christmas song. And I hope you put them in the context 
of this relationship with Jesus. It says, God rest ye, Mary, gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, who was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power, everything that we might experience that is broken in this world. When we were gone astray, O tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. O tidings. That's the communication, the message that there is comfort and joy. Amen? Will you stand with me? As the worship team comes forward, I pray, I pray that we would not miss it. And um, I'm, I'm convincing myself not to miss it. To consider the comfort that we may need right now. Or maybe someone we know is looking for comfort that we ourselves have received. Perhaps you're here today and you've experienced, you've never experienced the hope and, and the, the joy and comfort of knowing Jesus personally. And this sounds enticing. This is like, wow, is this even possible? can tell you from personal experience it is possible to know the comfort of God and the hope found in Jesus Christ of personally knowing your sins are forgiven our failures are canceled out of knowing the power of heaven to be able to run from temptation and into the hope and forgiveness and comfort of God. So, so whatever your circumstances are today, and I pray that as we end this time of worship, that would perhaps be a little introspective. But as whatever your circumstances here today, I pray that you would join together in worship, but also in prayer. And that if you need some comfort, if you need to be reminded of the truth, you need someone with Jesus with skin on, there'll be people up here to the right and to the left, or maybe you're in the center aisle and it's a little hard to get out, whatever that may be, turn to that person next to you and just say, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? If you don't know Jesus, if he is not your Lord, or you don't even know what that means, again, there's people up here or perhaps someone right next to you that would gladly walk you home. Your real hope. I pray we will all behold his comfort, experiencing his joy and his rest in every circumstance of life. And may we share what we have received from him with those who are looking for hope. Thanks for listening to week two of our Christmas series. We hope and pray that the Lord ministered to you throughout the teaching. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit for one of our services. For times and location, or even if you just want to learn more about the ministry of Calvary Southeast, visit our website at ccseportland.com. 
Join us again next week for part three of our Behold series as we behold love. Mm-hmm.